On the show today, Google rolls out new features into its Chrome browser for mobile devices. Facebook sends out 100 people with sunglasses that record everything they see. The FBI warns that you shouldn't believe everything you hear about the U.S. election. The scam of the day announces that you've won a share of money from a United Nations victim fund. And today's tip discusses eight settings that will help protect your privacy in Windows 10. All of that and more is coming up on the October 8th 2020 edition of Cybersecurity Made Personal. Helping you stay safe in a connected world. This is Cybersecurity Made Personal. Hello and welcome to the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast, the safest podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Jim Herman. I have three stories for you on the news beat today. Beginning with some positive news, Google announced that several features previously only available in the desktop version of Chrome will now also be available on the Android and iOS versions of the Chrome web browser. One of these new features, Safety Check, tests your passwords against those that have been included in compromised data breaches. This determines if your password might have been compromised already. In the event of a match, it will warn you that your password may have been compromised and direct you to the appropriate page to change it. Android users will also be able to make use of another feature, Enhanced Safe Browsing. This feature provides additional protection against phishing and malware by monitoring your internet traffic for suspicious activity. It will also check for web forms where the responses will not be transmitted through encrypted channels. For iOS users, Chrome will now also be able to authenticate autofilled passwords using Face ID, Touch ID, or the lock code. I think all of these features are great additions to the Chrome browser. I can certainly understand that some may raise privacy concerns with the data being sent off for monitoring, but if you're that concerned about the privacy of your data, you're probably going to be using a different browser anyway. All in all, I think this is a great security upgrade for Chrome. And now moving on to news from another major tech company, Facebook announced a new project to send out 100 people equipped with glasses that would record audio and video from their daily activities. The company dubbed this Project Aria and says that it is an attempt to research the privacy and ethical implications of using augmented reality. Facebook says that it has privacy regulations in place to control where and how they will collect and process data. The company says that its approach is intended to figure out the right privacy and safety model long before they release AR glasses into the world. While I applaud Facebook's approach to attempting to answer these ethical questions before the technology is released, I do question whether this is the right approach. Facebook hasn't exactly been known for protecting privacy, and this seems to be more an invasion of privacy than figuring out the right way to protect it. 
One of the biggest criticisms of Google Glass was its ability to record without notice, and this is the same practice. While it's certainly not illegal when it's happening in public places, it does raise privacy concerns. Moving on to election news, the FBI has released a warning to be on the lookout for false information regarding voting in the upcoming presidential election. The report says to be skeptical of any claims shared on social media regarding changes in voting locations or procedures, but also to make sure that you verify the location of your polling place through an official source. This year's election will be different. Many states have expanded access to mail-in voting, and as a result, the number of polling places may be reduced. However, the warning is absolutely correct. Don't trust information regarding voting that's shared on social media or available just through an internet search. The information could be false, but even if the information is accurate, it may not be accurate for you. The exact dates for requesting a mail-in ballot and voting early will vary by state and possibly even by county. If you're not sure about the process for your state, visit the webpage for your state's Secretary of State. The Secretary of State is the one responsible for managing the voting process. And if you're not sure you found the right place, contact the campaign office of a local candidate that you support. They will make sure they do everything they can to get your vote in for their candidate. And now we move on to our scam of the day. Today's scam arrived in my inbox last month, showing that it was sent from the United Nations. But as we've seen in every scam so far, the email address is suspiciously smoothbeats5 at gmail.com, with beats ending with a Z instead of an S. The subject line reads, Attention Beneficiary Scam Victim Compensation Payouts. And the email reads, United Nations Organization, 1775 K Street Northwest, number 400, Washington, D.C., 20006-1500, United States. Attention Beneficiary Scam Victim Compensation Payouts. During the course of our investigation, we have been able to recover so much money from these scam artists. The United Nations Anti-Crime Commission and the International Monetary Fund have ordered that the money recovered from the scammers to be shared among the first 100 lucky people around the world for compensation. This email slash letter has been directed to you because your name and email address was found in one of the scammer artist's files and computer hard disk while the investigation. Maybe you have been scammed. You are therefore being compensated with the sum of US $1,200,000. The paying bank, which was the Halifax Bank PLC, has confirmed to us since last week Friday that they have completed our contract with then by issued out 100 Visa debit card loaded with US$1,200,000. Each ATM card to the 100 lucky people around the world and handed it over to the United States Postal Service USPS address. John F. Kennedy Airport, 250 North Boundary Road, Suite 1, Jamaica, New York, 11430 for delivery, which included your name and email address. 
please kindly contact the United States Postal Service, USPS. If you have not yet received your own card, contact then with the below contact details. 1. Your name. 2. Your house address. 3. Your phone number. 4. Any of your government-issued ID card. 5. Card number. 6. Account number on your card. 7. Sort code on your card. 8. Card expires. Please complete the spaces with your details and forward it to the United States Postal Service, USPS, for the delivery of your card if you have not yet received your own card immediately. Here is the United States Postal Service, USPS, contact details below. Contact name, Mrs. Megan J. Brennan, Postmaster General of the United States and Chief Executive Officer of the world's largest postal organization. Contact telephone, 1-270-883-3667. Contact email, uspsofficia at yahoo.com or voicemail at florich.com. Contact her immediately for the release of your ATM card. Yours in service, Mr. Wilson Stewart, United Nations Funds Investigation Unit. Out of curiosity, I checked the address mentioned at the beginning of the email. While I'm sure the United Nations has offices in Washington, D.C. and all around the world, the United Nations headquarters is located in New York City. Ironically, the address is registered to the Leapfrog Group, an organization that helps you choose the right hospital. It appears the United Nations does have a presence in that building, but that presence is on a completely different floor. Plus, if you've paid attention to the news, this is one of those strange times when you've probably heard the name of the Postmaster General. Megan Brennan did serve as Postmaster General, but left the office earlier in the year. Hopefully none of you would fall for a scam as outrageous as the United States giving away $1.2 million debit cards. But if you were faced with a more believable scenario, Fact-checking the email may be all you need to do to prove that it was a scam. Obviously, having the facts straight does not mean that it's legitimate, but not having the facts right will tell you that something is wrong. And now it's time for the Cybersecurity Pop Quiz. Each episode, I'll ask you a different question in the field of online security or privacy, and it's your job to figure out the right answer. Today's question is once again a multiple choice question. If you find a USB flash drive on the ground or somewhere else, which of these is the best action to take? A, plug it in and try to figure out the owner. B, take it to the police or the security guards in the building where you found it. C, give it to your friend or D, put up a flyer that says USB stick found. The answer to this question will be revealed in next week's episode. But if you want to know the answer right away, you can go to cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash popquiz to find out if you're right. Plus, if you submit your guess on the website, regardless of whether you're right or wrong, you can be entered to win a $25 Amazon gift card when we conclude season two in February. But your guess to this question must be submitted before the next episode is released at 8 a.m. 
on Monday, October 12th. For official rules, visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash quizrules. Last week's question was, which of these is the most common subject line used in phishing emails? A, your direct deposit could not be processed. B, your recent order. C, request. Or D, the zombie apocalypse is imminent. The correct answer is C. This subject line plays off of two psychological tricks. First, it's intentionally vague, which results in more people opening it. By being vague, it's less likely that people will recognize it's a scam because it doesn't apply to them. The first two options would apply only to those who have direct deposits or who make purchases online. If that email doesn't arrive when you're expecting it, you'll recognize the scam and ignore it. Second, the subject of request also exploits our desire to be helpful. As a general rule, we usually try to be as helpful as we can to those around us. A subject line referencing a request for help is more likely to draw people in. While both macOS and Linux have grown in popularity the last few years, Windows is still the juggernaut of the operating system game. But do you know what information is being tracked when you use Windows? We'll discuss eight Windows privacy settings you may want to change when we come back from this quick break. Hey, it's Jim. I just wanted to take a few seconds to tell you about a brand new class I'll be teaching. It's called the 5-Day Security Boost. For five days from November 9th through November 13th, I'll be live on Facebook at 9 p.m. each night teaching you about five quick changes that will make a huge difference in your online safety. It's a great opportunity to not just learn about online security, but also to ask me any questions that you might have. And if you can't make it live, you can still sign up because replays will be available through November 20th. For more information or to sign up, visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash securityboost. The vast majority of technology companies don't make their money the way you think they do. Facebook doesn't make most of its money as a social media site. It makes its money from collecting data about you in order to sell space on your screens. Google doesn't make most of its money as a search engine, an email provider, or through the vast majority of other services it offers. It makes its money the same way as Facebook by selling advertising space on your screen. To put it in the simplest terms possible, big data is absolutely big business. Therefore, it should be no surprise that most other technology companies have followed this path into data collection. One of the big players in the data space now is Microsoft. Microsoft has used its position as a leading software provider to advance its position in data collection. Now, every person using a Windows 10 device has information about the use of their device collected. 
And while you can shut off some of the data collection in Windows, you can't shut it all off. So with that in mind, here are eight ways you can limit data collection and protect your privacy when you're using Windows 10. First, turn off targeted advertising. With targeted advertising on, Microsoft will assign your computer an ID that will be used for data collection. Apps can then use that advertising ID in order to find relevant ads to show you. If you don't want apps to be able to access your advertising profile, you can disable this in the Windows settings. From the Settings app, go to Privacy, Diagnostics, and Feedback. You'll find this setting under the heading Tailored Experiences. Second, limit the diagnostic feedback that Microsoft collects. Microsoft will require collection of certain diagnostic data in order to help the company improve its products. This information includes data about the configuration of your device, its settings, and whether it's performing properly. However, you may have enabled more advanced data collection. This can include information about what websites you visit, what apps you use, and how you use your device. While Microsoft says this will only be used for maintaining the stability of Windows, this information could be used for the same purpose as your advertising ID. To limit the sharing of diagnostic data, you'll go to the same page you went in the first step. Settings, Privacy, then Diagnostics and Feedback. Under the Diagnostic Data heading, choose the option to send required diagnostic data. If you've selected Send Optional Diagnostic Data, you're sharing the extra information. Third, turn off the Activity History. The Activity History tracks everything you've done on your device. This is beneficial if you want to be able to go back to a web page that you were visiting, even if you don't remember where it was. It can also let you move from one Windows device to another with a seamless transition. For example, you could be browsing a web page on your laptop and then go find the same page later on your desktop. However, that means your device has to remember everything you do and send it to Microsoft. If you don't want your device doing that, go to the Settings app and navigate to Privacy and then Activity History. You have a few options here. First, you can control whether your activity is stored on the device. Uncheck this if you don't want the information saved at all. You can also control whether this information is sent to Microsoft. This is what allows you to move from device to device and keep access to the same web pages. Next, you also have the ability to enable or disable tracking by user account. And then finally, once you've made the changes to the settings that you want, you can also delete the information that's already been collected. Just press the Clear button at the bottom to wipe out your activity history. Fourth, you may want to turn off location tracking. If your device has GPS capabilities, your device can track your location and even share it with other apps. Sometimes this is important. For example, a site may only have the right to let you view a TV program if you're within the United States. In that case, they would be required to ask for your location in order to ensure you're permitted to view that program. 
However, in most cases, your location is irrelevant. To shut off location tracking, go to Settings, Privacy, and then Location. Once there, you can turn off location tracking for the entire device, or you can just permit it for specific apps. Like the Activity History section, you also have the ability to clear the location data that's already been collected and saved. Fifth, turn off access to the camera and the microphone. With the exception of desktop computers, almost all devices now have a built-in camera and microphone. If you don't use the camera or the microphone, there's no need for you to have it enabled. And even if you do use these devices, you only need to grant access to the apps that need it. To make these changes, go to Settings, Privacy, and then choose Camera or Microphone. You can turn camera or microphone access for the device on or off, and then if you do enable it, you can scroll down and choose the apps that you want to have access. Sixth, you can limit the permissions of Microsoft's digital assistant, Cortana. Microsoft has tried to create its own digital assistant, similar to Apple's Siri and Google Assistant. However, in order to take full advantage of this assistant, it must record and analyze everything that you're saying. It won't know to wake up when you say, Hey, Cortana, unless it's actually listening to everything. To control the Cortana settings, go to Settings, Cortana. There, you can access all of the Cortana settings, including access to the microphone, calendar, email, and more. Seventh, use a local account instead of a Microsoft account. Similar to Apple and Google, Microsoft wants you to create a Microsoft account associated with your email address. A Microsoft account is what allows you to transfer settings and activity history across all your devices. However, some people may not want everything that they do associated with their email address. If you are among those people, you can choose to use a local account instead. If you're setting up a brand new device, Microsoft has made it a little difficult to create a local account. The only way to accomplish that is to not connect your device to the internet right away. But if you've already set up your device, it's a little easier to set up a local account. Go to Settings, Accounts, and then Family and Other Users. When you go to add an account, choose the I don't have this person's sign-in information, and then finally, add a user without a Microsoft account. You'll be prompted to create a name and password for the user. And finally, our eighth point doesn't control what Microsoft sees, but it does control what other people might be able to see. Microsoft has built Windows with a notification system, similar to the notifications you might get on your phone. However, some of these notifications could result in sensitive information from your email or other apps being made available on the lock screen when you're away. If your laptop isn't monitored, Someone could walk by and take a peek at your notifications to see what you're up to. To turn off notifications, go to Settings, System, Notifications, and Action. As with other settings, you can either turn them off altogether 
or you can control the notification settings by the application. So in conclusion, is it possible to use Microsoft's products and yet stay totally invisible to Microsoft? Unfortunately, you probably can't. However, by making the correct changes to your privacy settings, you are able to limit what Microsoft will know about you. In order to maintain the greatest privacy, turn off targeted advertising, diagnostic feedback, activity history, location tracking, camera and microphone access, Cortana settings, Microsoft account access, and notification settings. These eight changes won't give you perfect privacy, but they will stop the most privacy-invasive features of Windows. So that's all for today. Thank you so much for listening, and come back next Monday, where our tip will discuss how you can protect your Internet of Things devices, also known as the so-called smart devices. So until next time, stay safe. Thanks again for joining us for the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast. Check out the show notes page linked in the description for links to the articles mentioned, more information about today's tip, and a transcription of this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would consider visiting our welcome page at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash welcome. There, you can find more information about the show and links to some of our most popular episodes. Cybersecurity Made Personal is provided for educational purposes only. Don't take any action on your computer unless you fully understand what you are doing and the possible consequences. Visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash disclaimer for more information. Cybersecurity Made Personal is a production of Personal Cybersecurity, LLC. I'm Jim Herman. Thanks for listening and stay safe.